Hi, this is your host, Sophia Vidal, on the third episode of The First Cut, where we interview top medical professionals getting answers to your questions, which you might not have had the opportunity to ask, especially during this pandemic. I'm very happy to be joined here today by Dr. Sean Elias. Hi, thanks for having me, Sophia. So do you mind, uh, Sean, giving us a brief description of what you do? Yep. So I'm Dr. Sean Elias. I'm a scientist at the Genet Institute, University of Oxford, and I'm a member of the COVID-19 vaccine team. So I'm a lab scientist by training. I've been a member of the group for 13 years. Um, but in the last kind of year and a half during the pandemic, I've been heavily involved in our public engagement and comms uh, part of the vaccine team. So I do a variety of jobs, um, mostly kind of talking to people and communicating about the kind of obviously the research itself and the benefits of the research, uh, research and uh, kind of reassuring people about the kind of uh, work that we've done on the kind of vaccine development. So what does an average day at work look like for you? So in, in the past, an average day of work was very much kind of in the lab, um, kind of doing day-to-day -day research on clinical trials um, and clinical studies. So I've worked on uh, a bit of everything, really, from vaccine development uh, through to human clinical trials, uh, through to running studies um, in Africa um, and, and here in the UK. Um, in the last year and a half, uh, it's been very much working um, on, as in the communication side of things. Um, so it's a mix of uh, liaising with and responding to journalists, um, helping organize uh, things like filming, um, but also speaking to schools and people about kind of vaccine work and vaccine research. So what kind of other career path do you think you would have taken if you didn't go down the science route? I think I was always kind of keen to go into sciences. Um, there's a lot of kind of, um, especially in medical sciences, I always kind of knew that was a, a kind of route for me. Um, and I work with a lot of colleagues who obviously um, are medical background and, and medics themselves. For me, um, ironically, medicine was not something that I directly um, was kind of a route interested in going down, which you might be contradictory to some of your listeners, but um, partly because I, was, I wasn't I was very good with blood. But uh, ironically, right. I've spent my career working with blood. So I spend most of my time working with blood samples. Um, but from the point of view, obviously, of kind of medicine, that was not something uh, directly, but medical research itself always fascinated me. Um, but I suppose outside of kind of medical research, I think that other aspects of science, um, I mean, I was always kind of interested in um, kind of uh, animal um, behavior and things like that, um, and kind of more kind of ecological side and kind of um, of science. But uh, yeah, I was always going to go down medical sciences. And I think I knew that from a very young age. Yeah. So what did you study at university? So I studied biological sciences uh, here at the University of Oxford. Um, so uh, obviously the Oxford kind of setup is is quite academic and uh, it's kind of so it's slightly different to other courses. It's a lot of um, kind of theory and open discussion and maybe actually not as much kind of actual practical skills as some of the other courses that I looked into when I was also applying for university. Um, but and but I kind of worked around that by kind of focusing on getting lab experience and stuff after my undergraduate degree. Um, and that's kind of where I started here at the Institute kind of as a research assistant. So getting that kind of practical experience of kind of medical research. Do you think that was a what would have been more beneficial for you to get that practical experience during your university life, like going to another university, perhaps? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very glad that I, I came to Oxford. I yeah. think the system was very good for me in terms of that, but it's, it is was a weakness with the kind of setup here. And it is now changing to a four-year course. All the other sciences in Oxford uh, do have four-year courses where you have a year of kind of practical 
um, kind of working in a research environment. And I do think, so for example, my second choice university was Bath, which did, it was a four-year course with a year actually in, in either kind of industry or academia working in a practical sense. And I think that's something that the University of Oxford did need to implement. Um, and as I said, has now. Um, I think that year, well, that getting that experience is vital if you want to kind of do a, a kind of practical career in science. So if you were to, like to change your approach to going to university, how would you change it? Um, if you would change it, of course. I, I don't think I would change it. Um, I, as I said, I personally um, love, love the course here and the kind of setup in Oxford. I think because of the kind of unique setup of, of the Oxford system with the kind of the tutorial system, which is very much a kind of system where you have your lectures as usual, but you also have a kind of one on three type situation of small group kind of teaching um, with academics who are currently doing research rather than just kind of lecturers. Um, <clears throat> and that gets you to see the kind of active research that's going on in the university and you get to discuss things outside of the curriculum and the stuff that's going to go into your kind of tests and on the examinations and you get to see the real side of research and I think that the benefit of that system is kind of shown in now that I'm that kind of doing that kind of side of it so I'm also doing lectures myself now and um, and actually the um, groups that I teach are graduate entry medical students so I, I do right. um, once a year I take a group from one of the um, colleges and I do a four-part kind of um, tutorial series on um, infection and immunity. So talking about the immune system, talking about vaccine development and, and kind of active and disease and things like that. And teaching, again, medical students who obviously come from very much a medical side and teaching them the academic kind of system here at the university. Um, and I think that helps them gain alternative perspective um, on how we research disease, but also how we work together with the kind of... Uh, medical kind of teams here particularly here in Oxford um, so we said we work very closely with the hospitals we work very closely with doctors and nurses um, and they're an integral part of the kind of clinical trial work um, and research that we do. So what do you predict will be the biggest issues for the next generation of scientists? <clears throat> I think the, the, one of the biggest issues we always um, face but hopefully won't hopefully well, things will change a little bit, is obviously funding for medical research. And right. there's only so much money available. Um, and part of the difficulty in the past has been about how you divide up that money. That money. And obviously, um, some of the big kind of profile diseases, things like HIV, um, obviously, rightly so, do get a large cut of the kind of money. And sometimes some of the kind of smaller diseases that maybe people considered not um, high priority didn't necessarily get as much research funding. And Do you think kind of after found... after COVID, uh, the government might have seen the importance of scientists and their role, uh, and how and how crucial it is to human life and development? They might maybe put some more funding towards it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something that kind of is, is looking forward to the future. Um, here in Oxford, we are developing a pandemic response centre, um, and that's getting getting funding um, and is being built at some point in the very near future, um, and that hopefully will. Um, have a really big impact in, on kind of vaccine research, but also responses to kind of pandemic situations in the future. We're also, there's a, um, a big kind of vaccine manufacturing center being built just outside Oxford, which again will help for the kind of, this is the VMIC, um, which will help um, for kind of preparation for these kind of things. Yeah. Also setting up those collaborations between industry um, and academia and the government and kind of linking all those together means that we can hopefully in the future when we do need to work together um, produce a coordinated response and I think that's very much changed in the last year and a half out of necessity but hopefully for the better.
because I did hear um, that during the production of the AstraZeneca vaccine at Oxford, it was Oxford that uh, initiated the funding and then later the government came in. Yeah, I mean, we very much did, essentially at the start of the pandemic, we were doing this work, we didn't have the funding for it. So the university kind of put that up front um, in the hope that we would obviously be able to get the funding elsewhere, but there was financial risk involved in it. Um, and to be fair to the government, they did they did step up and find that bulk of the funding that was needed um, in the end. So yeah, we've obviously it's very much the one thing that the one one of the things that the government did fantastically during this pandemic, and it shows obviously in the in the kind of response here. Um, and it, it's always interesting to go obviously going forward to speak to kind of all the medical professionals and things, and how from their point of view, obviously that's benefited them in the in the kind of short term and stuff like that. So have there been any particular highlights of your career so far? Um, so kind of outside of, of the kind of COVID stuff, um, I mean, I, I've worked on some really interesting studies. Um, so I've worked on a variety of things from malaria to Ebola um, and more recently um, non-typhoid and salmonella. Um, I think probably for me, the kind of highlight was um, working on uh, my own kind of first own big clinical study. So I did a study which was a six month project uh, based both here in Oxford um, and also in Kenya and kind of really designing that from the start and kind of implementing it and kind of setting up an international clinical study. Um, but obviously, I mean, working on the, the COVID-19 vaccine, I think for everyone has been admittedly exhausting, but obviously very much a highlight. And it's very much for everyone why we got into this area of science in the first place. We never, I don't think anyone in the team expected to ever be needed to kind of uh, work on a project like this, but it's always kind of reassuring to go, yeah, this, this justifies why we've done it and shows the importance. And yeah. I think just, just from the, the public response um, and the kind of policy, there's some negatives, but overwhelmingly positive. And that's great to have. And, and just to see kind of scientists in, in, in the limelight getting the kind of credit that they deserve um, is, is fantastic to see. So during uh, studying biological sciences, were, were there any defining moments that drew you to studying immunity and working on vaccines, or did you just go into it after university? So I, as I said, medical science was very much always what I was interested in. Um, right. But I admittedly, actually, during my degree, there were bits that, due to the way things were, were, were taught, um, maybe weren't necessarily as strong as some of the other areas. So um, actually, the way the course was split up, um, I did the kind of inf infection and immunity module in the kind of second year, but it actually wasn't necessarily the best taught module, even though it really interested me. In terms of the kind of way the exams were going, um, I chose not to kind of follow that, and I actually focused more on kind of cancer and kind of developmental biology, right. while also doing develop uh, kind of animal behavior, partly because that kind of module was a lot easier um, and naturally quite good. And actually, my third year project, which we had to do between our second and third year um, degree, um, uh, sorry, the years, um, was actually in fish behavior. That was partly because I wanted a eight week, hol eight -week holiday in Indonesia to go snorkeling <laughs> um, and because I never had a chance to travel uh, kind of before that. So I'm, I'm very much glad I did that, but, um, and I very much enjoyed it, but it kind of obviously reinforced that idea that um, although I love this kind of, that kind of research as well, I really wanted to be doing something that had end results that actually had um, impact um, and kind of meaning um, rather than just kind of uh, of interest. So um, I think it's important just kind of take home for anyone kind of going to university is actually um, your ideas will change on what you enjoy and what you like. And sometimes obviously the teachers and the people teaching you um, can shape that. But I think you will always kind of come around to the area that ultimately interests you most. 
uh, in spite of those things. So as I said, it's, it, it, even though I didn't do it from my exams, um, I was always kind of the area of infection and kind of disease was that area. But I was at one time closely uh, maybe going to go into kind of cancer research instead of, of infectious disease. So, But there's a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah. So I know you're not in the medical field yourself, but uh, from your point of view, how do you see the practice changing in the future? So, yeah, I'm not obviously not directly a medic, but as I said, I, also, I work very, very closely with um, yep. kind of medics and we've got a lot of academic medics and Oxford as a centre is, is, is a fantastic location for that kind of collaboration. And you get a lot of medics who do come uh, out of the kind of NHS and things to work full time on, on kind of medicine. And I think it's very important to have those kind of links between academic research and medical sciences and the doctors who are ultimately going to be the ones uh, using that medicine in the future. Um, and I think in terms of, uh, I think that's only going to kind of grow and, and increase. And I think in, in the way that the vaccine kind of rollouts and the kind of information behind that has, has progressed during the pandemic, it shows that, that importance of communication between the kind of two fields. Um, so I think in the future, there will definitely uh, continue um, and there'll be expansion on these kind of uh, links between academia and, and the medical profession. Yeah. So a question, do you love what you do? I do, I do. Um, and I've been very, uh, I, I very much enjoyed, uh, enjoy being in the lab and kind of collect, collecting research and creating new data, which kind of shows something that we've never seen before. But equally, I really like sharing that, sharing that enthusiasm and the story behind it with the public. And, and I've definitely found that over the last year and a half, um, I kind of naturally levitate towards that kind of work. And it's definitely an area that I'm keen to continue in. Um, and it is very much a hard skill. I mean, we obviously, as, as academics, we do a lot of, of talks um, to other academics. We have conferences and things like that. But this kind of skills and the kind of techniques between communicating that research with other academics is very different to what is communicating it with the public. Um, and it's something that, yeah, maybe not everyone um, naturally likes, enjoys. Um, but for me, it's, a, it's an area that um, I think I yeah, definitely would like to continue in. So what do you think are the right or wrong reasons for wanting to go into science? So I think going into science, so I mean, in terms of there's obviously a reality to going into science. It, and, and something actually that came up during the kind of pandemic um, and from the point of view, like speaking to family and stuff, obviously they know roughly what I do. Um, but there's this misconception that scientists are well paid. And strangely, they were like, oh, you're doing all this hard work on the pandemic. You must be getting paid really, really well. I was like, no, we're getting paid exactly as we were before. We're just doing twice as much work. Um, and actually, it's not great pay. And the contracts are not great. Um, I mean, it, you generally, as a scientist, you're working on maybe one to three year rotational contracts during the pandemic, just because of the way that um, money comes in and things. I've very much been on rolling contracts of very short term, three months, six months. So that's definitely a, a kind of that's a reality point of kind of working in science. Um, but equally, you've got that kind of flexibility. Um, and it's, I mean, it, you do it for the interest in the science. And I think that's the thing, you have to be interested in, 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 in science um, to really kind of progress. Yeah. But I think it also a point to make out that it is quite flexible. So just because you kind of go into kind of doing research um, and work in an ac academic institution, you're not stuck in that career. So there are lots of branches. 
Um, and actually, there's been some fantastic kind of talks from people uh, over the years within the university about what you can do elsewhere. So, for example, friends and um, colleagues who've gone on to do other things, um, you can obviously move across to industry. So biotech, um, especially startups, particularly in places like Oxford, Cambridge, London, obviously, there's lots of good startups. And actually, the skills are highly transferable. And this obviously, again, strengths and weaknesses are kind of going over. Um, a lot of people actually do PhDs, uh, do kind of medical research and then go and do graduate entry medicine and go into medicine. And obviously that can right. help strengthen um, your understanding because if you understand the, the kind of science behind it, uh, it's sometimes it's more easier to kind of transfer over and, and kind of go into it. Obviously there's a different skill set, and obviously we mentioned that being able to speak to people in the public is not obviously for everyone, but very much is obviously a strength that if you have that going into a medical career where you're gonna be a very patient focused role can be obviously very important. Um, other kind of things you can do are going to kind of comms and public engagement and, and that kind of side of science or science writing. Um, or even um, kind of going down the kind of more um, kind of legal side of science. So looking right. into patents and things like that. I know a few people have gone from um, kind of doing research to how you kind of obviously um, do patents and, and kind of patent law behind obviously medical research and actually having a, a, an understanding of how the research works really helps in that kind of field so there is a lot of flexibility um and that's obviously one of the other advantages of kind of having a good grounding in kind of a medical research kind of career so do you consider what you do to be a vocation good question um so with what i'm currently doing um, yeah. You can kind of come from either side. So it's interesting, our team is very much, um, so in kind of comms and public engagement, you have kind of people from either directions, um, people who initially kind of train in that kind of side of it, but maybe have less experience on the science, or people who come directly from the kind of science side. Um, within my current team, I'm the only one who's kind of really as a kind of current scientist. Um, so I very much focus on those kind of scientific questions and, and communicate that side because I've done pretty much all the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Um, but obviously, again, I have weaknesses in, in, uh, which other people have strengths. So um, obviously I'm less um, good with kind of some of the kind of more technical aspects of kind of communications and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it, it is something you can plan to go into, but the, the route to get there is definitely variable. Yeah. So I've got one last question for you today, and that's uh, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be? <laughs> oh, I think in the, in the current climate, kind of super speed would be super useful. <laughs> so you kind of get around and do multiple, like multiple things in a very quick way. Although that said, given in, in science, a lot of science is waiting around. So a lot of lab science is you know, right. some of the experiments and stuff we run. And this is quite, quite um, true of when, for example, we have like journalists in or film crews. And they're like, okay, can we film this stuff you're doing? And you're like, yeah, a lot of this is push the button or put it on <laughs> and wait for an hour or two hours. And so maybe time stuff. control would be a meantime. bit more useful. Maybe be able to fast forward speed might be kind <laughs> yeah. of actually more useful. Than Although you can kind of set up more experiments in parallel if you had the kind of super speed. But yeah, ability to fast forward time probably would be the most, most useful. That's great. Thank you so much around. for talking with me today. No, uh, it's welcome. been so helpful. Uh, we're doing this uh, basically for people like me that uh, are really struggling to get work experience and in, in the pandemic, mm -hmm. which I know that you work so hard on to make sure that people can have a more normal life. Uh, but it's been very helpful. Thank you for all your insights and everything today. It's been so helpful.
Oh, you're more than welcome. And I know very much where you're coming from. I mean, just kind of to give you another kind of point that yeah. before I went to uni, I was obviously looking to try and get work experience in a lab in medical right. science. And it is a very, very difficult area to get work experience in. Um, you are partly because there is a limit to what you can do. If you're under 18, there's not a lot you can yeah. do in a kind of medical research lab. Um, so we do have occasionally had research uh, kind of people in for kind of doing um work experience but you're kind of limited to paperwork and watching things because you can't really handle blood you can't really do actual experiments a lot of the time um so it is difficult um it's something that hopefully um in the university and also particularly in our team we're trying to look into ways of kind of improving that in the future um it's definitely something that i have a like i said a, a kind of personal experience of and would like to help where i can so yeah. watch this space and just to say another massive thank you again for volunteering your time and answering my questions sharing what you have to say it's been at least very very useful for me so thank you so much <laughs>